0: Doreen, would you pray for our time together today, please?
1: Father, I pray for uh, excuse me Father, I ask for forgiveness for all those that need forgiveness, Father Father, I ask for uh, uh, guidance for all those that need uh, guidance, Father I ask for health uh, health to be restored in people that are sick today, Father Uh, I thank you for everything that you do for us, Father. I praise you for every new thing that you give us also, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. Yes. Hallelujah. Father, take us to the cross tonight, Jesus. It's at the cross, Lord, that we receive healing. God is at the cross, we receive mercy and grace. We give you thanks tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy, you are worthy. Behold the Lamb who sits upon the throne, rules and reigns victorious.
0: seated at the right hand of the throne of God all power and authority and glory belong to you Jesus I pray Father that as we open your word today God Father that we would be attentive to the leading of the Holy Spirit that Father you know where each of us are at you know each of our needs you know each of our sins Just pray, God, that we would come to a place, Father, of of genuine, of true repentance. Father, that we would be the children of God. That we would submit ourselves unto Christ. And that our lives would bear lasting fruit. For your kingdom, for your glory, through your power, Father. It's all for you. So may we, God, be effective laborers in your harvest. Looking up, knowing that our redemption is drawing near. And we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning to everyone. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Don't be misled. For the justice of God will not be mocked. You are going to harvest what you plant. Oh, how I pray that you all are meditating upon this short little scripture, allowing it to truly challenge us daily in our lives, on how we're living, especially if we're calling ourselves Christians. That we are truly experienced the fullness of what Christ has for us. As we have received his Holy Spirit and now we are born again. Born again. A new nature. As I sat around, well, on Friday, talking um, to one of my friends. And as I sat around last night talking to Carrie. And just remembering the old man. Remembering the old man and... And and realizing that for 28 years of my life, I could just live for myself. And then Christ stepped in, and all of a sudden, my whole life began to change. As it is with all of us, when Christ steps in. A few weeks ago, we talked about the work of the Holy Spirit, and, and, and the reason why Jesus says that Jesus had to go away so the Holy Spirit would come. Remember, he he comes to, to convict the world of its sin. He comes to convict us of our sin, to bring us to a place of repentance. He also is to reveal the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And then, finally, he is to bring an understanding of the judgment that's coming to this earth. We can spin it however we want to make it sound good to our ears. But the truth is, is judgment is coming to the earth. And God has made a way out. This is the good news, you all, that we have to share with others. That we should eagerly, seeking the Lord and how, and to use the gift that, gifts that He so freely gives us, To bring about his purpose to declare the good news. That there is hope that we do not have to endure the judgment that's coming. And that old man, years ago, didn't want to hear about the judgment. Didn't care about the judgment. That old man enjoyed his life. (laughs) At least he thought he did. And yet he was so empty, so lost. As we all are seeking to find worth and value in people, in things, in substance, clinging to the temporalness of this life, seeking some higher power, and yet always ending up empty until Christ stepped in and radically changes our lives. Like when I talk about the old man, I talk as if he's dead. I, don't, I can't even comprehend him. I know his pain. I know his hurts. I know his desires. Because yet though I am dead to him, they're still within here. That's why Galatians tells us the old man, the flesh and the spirit, they war inside you they war inside you but the Bible says that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world the Bible gives us the hope and the understanding that we can tell that old man or that old woman that she's healed I don't have to react out of my my brokenness any longer I have value I have worth because of Christ I have freely nailed myself to his cross. My interest in this world is no longer, and the world's interest in me is no longer. See, that's the Christian life. And it's it's always mind-boggling to me that we don't get it. Not everyone. But unfortunately, the majority of people that are sitting for years in churches don't get that. And you've been hearing me say over and over. I'm sure I sound like a broken record sometimes on Sundays. Like, give us something new. But all all I can do is give you the word. Like, are we applying his truth to our lives? This freedom that Christ has came to give us, that though yet we are still in the world, we're not of the world and we are called to live differently. We are called out and then sent forth, called out and then sent forth. See you no longer belong to the world. you no longer are, are, are led by the desires of the flesh. You're no longer, you're, 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 your truth of your essence is not based on your past any longer. No, there's a newness that comes forth in Christ. I told you, the first few years of my Christian walk, I kept asking God, who am I now? Because if I'm not, and I wasn't even in church at that time. But I knew I couldn't live how I used to live. I couldn't do what I used to do because it wasn't pleasing to God. I knew that. the the Holy Spirit was giving me that conviction the Holy Spirit was revealing God's righteousness to me through his son Jesus the Holy Spirit was reminding me of the judgment that was coming to the earth so how then shall I live and that should be a question for all of us you know Jesus asked them "Who who do they say that I am and the disciples say, "Well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're this. Some say this. Some say that." And then Jesus says, "But who do you say I am?" You see, that's what matters. It doesn't matter what everyone else is saying. Who do you say Jesus is? Because based on that answer and that answer alone, is your truth. Either he's God or he's not. And if he's God, then you then you come to the understanding that you believe. With everything within you, you believe that He is the Son of God. And that you, apart from Him, are a sinner. You are controlled and ruled by the flesh. You see your need for a Savior. You receive this free gift of salvation as you repent and you turn away And you're born again of a new nature. And now this newness of life as you've received the Holy Spirit is lived as you are empowered by Him. That's why the Word of God says that you have to walk habitually in the Spirit so you don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Again, it's not that you will never sin, but sin is not your master. You don't take up camp. No, you grieve like, ah, And then you get up and you move on. You don't grieve and then waller around in this weird condemning, you know, all based on self. Look how poor of a Christian I am. I'm no good. No, no, no. It's not about you. It's all about Him. You get up. You repent. No, I'm really truly sorry, God. And then you get up and you move on. Because there's work to be done. And that's why every day you've got to give thought to your thoughts. Because how does he transform us? By changing the way we think. By changing the way we think. Like I used to think this way. And by thinking that way, it led me this way. You know, I said to my the guy I was talking to the other day, I said, what I used to do is I used to sit down in front of the table And on index cards, I used to write down either the sin that I was so involved in, or I I wrote down the wounds, the hurts that happened to me, that, that defined me. And I used to lay them out in front of me. I used to ask the Holy Spirit, what is your truth for these then? And then as the truths were revealed, rather it's there, that moment sitting down, rather it's weeks, you know, just going about my day and all of a sudden I'm like, that's the, that's the truth. And I would write it down. Months, whenever I received the truth, I would sit down with my cards and then I would take the new card and I would place it over it. And I'd say, this is how you live now, Rob. Because this is truth. How do I apply it? See, I can't just be a hearer of the Word. I have to be a doer of the Word. You have to be a doer of the Word. You just can't be a hearer of the Word because it's going to do nothing for you. You're just going to show up when you want, go back out, come back in, go back, and there's going to be nothing being transformed. You're just going to hold a form of religion. And you just don't want a form of religion. No, you want the very power of God. To transform your life. You see, this world, and you should be able to, to, to say this phrase, is getting darker. The essence of this world, everything in it is rising up. The levels of filth, of destruction, of chaos, of ruin, of everything. Religious institutions, I mean everything. Everything. Perversion, murder, strife, division, hostility, quarreling, everythings coming up. But the church, I keep telling you, the good news is the church is still here. See, we are behind enemy lines. And if we're getting up every day, just like, ugh, oh, and, and we're just going about it, we're losing. Oh, but if you get up every day, and you remember you're behind enemy lines. There is an enemy who's out and bent for your destruction, that he has no right or authority over you unless you put your hand to something that you shouldn't be putting your hand to. Your thoughts to something that you should not be thinking. Your eyes upon something that you should not be looking upon. And your ears towards something that you ought not to be entertaining. And when the enemy does come, the Bible says that if you submit yourself to God and resist him, he has to flee because of the authority that is found in Christ. Not in anything of you, or how many scriptures you know, or how loud you can pray. (laughs) It has nothing to do with you. (laughs) That's all to do with Christ. That's all to do with Christ. Do you know him? Are you seeking him? Again, it's not about perfection, you all. But it is about maturing. Because the justice of God will not be mocked. You are going to harvest what you plant. And we've got to wake up. We've got to wake up. These are incredible days that we're living in. It's not time to be down and out. No, it's time to be alert and moving forward, advancing forward. Linking arms together as the church and advancing forward, praying for one another, worshiping together, fellowshipping together, growing together, opening up the word together, seeking and asking questions. It doesn't matter where you're at, if you're freshly born, if you're if you're you know early age, teenagers, adult, wherever you're at in your Christian life. We're all at different levels. So we can respect each other. No one's trying to form you to look like me. Or to look like Melissa. Or to get up to where you know, this person's at or what that person is doing. No, it's not about that. But what it is about is you growing. There should be fruit coming forth from your life. You should be beginning to learn how to do Warfare. And to stand for righteousness. And what you're warring against mostly, it's not just the enemy, but it's that old man. It's that old woman. You know, my, my, my buddy looks at me sometimes, and I can tell sometimes when he looks, I'd say, I say, I know it sounds crazy. <laughs> but I would encourage you, sometimes you got to talk to that old man. Sometimes you got to talk to that old woman. Sometimes I gotta look at that wounded boy and let him know, hey, you're okay now. You're okay. Settle down. Settle down. You don't need that. Because Christ has you. Christ has you. Sometimes I gotta deal with that rebellious teenager. And I'm gonna let him know, hey, (laughs) calm down. No. Discipline is good for you. Authority is good for you. I got to tell that old man, no, you're not going to be moved on all your desires and what you want and what you think. Because dead men have no rights. Like, see, you freely give up your life when you come to Christ, so why do you keep trying to cling to your old life? No one's forcing us to come to Christ. No, one's forced, no one forced me to become a Christian. No one beat me over the head and demanded me to live right and to do right and to follow this and to follow that. No one did that to me. But when Christ, when, when the, the revelation of Christ was revealed, Oh God! You willingly go, God. And you lay your life down. And then you step into the newness. And you say, Lord, I'm yours. Just teach me. Show me. And it's a battle, you all. Every single day of your life. And so... How on earth the gospel message and the Christian living is being perverted out there? It's only going to get crazier.
2: <clears throat>
0: the truth is going to continue to be watered down. I mean, remember, even there's at some point when the Antichrist would show up on the earth and he is going to do signs and wonders, he's going to do miraculous things to deceive people, to come into worship. Him. (laughs) The enemy is strategic. He knows his time is near. This isn't just mumbo jumbo. (laughs) And I keep telling you, it's sad that the lost, they know more about the spirit realm than the church. There is a realm in which we cannot see And Ephesians tells us clearly, this is who our war is with. So if you're not suiting up every day, (laughs) if you're not remaining alert every day, you're being devoured. Even if your day is going good. (laughs) Because one of his tactics is to continue to give to you what you need in the temporalness of life to make you think that you're okay and in reality you're not I want you to go to Romans 3 verse 21 to 31 I know I'm going to throw out a lot of scripture to you today we're going to get through it plus we're going to get through our, our walking through the Bible so bear with me but hang on we're going to go for a long ride Remember that one trail we went down Shay? Shea? It's going to be similar to that, but not too long. <laughs> so bear with me. Don't fall asleep. Let's jump into this. Romans 3, chapter 3, verse 21 through 31. Look at this. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses. And the prophets long ago. And these scriptures I'm sharing with you all, I want them to tie in to Galatians 6 and 7. To kind of challenge you on how we're living each and every single day. That we're not mocking the justice of God. That we, have, that we really gain an understanding that what we're planting, is going to come back on us. So we have to know truth in order to make the right choices and the right decisions that are coming at us each and every single moment when the Bible says to take every thought captive and bring it into the obedience of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If, that's every thought. That's not just thoughts that just, when you say, okay, I'll do it. No, no, it's every thought. Like, are you giving thought to your thoughts? Is it lining up with truth? If it's not, take it down. And get them underneath the Lordship of Christ. So that's why you need to know truth, because if you don't know truth, and Doreen, you and I were talking about this the other night, When you don't know truth, what can you apply? What are you covering over the wounds with, the sin with? That's why it's vital. So look at this. God has shown us a way to be made right with Him. Verse 22. We are made right with God, look at this, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who they are. For everyone has sinned. We all fell short of God's glorious standard. That's truth, you all. Everyone has sinned. We all have fallen short. We're all born into that nature, that rebelliousness, that we just hold up our fists towards God. But God, Yet, it goes on, God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty from our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. He makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Remember, what you keep hearing me say over and over, there's no error found in God. I know men tried to find error. Everyone points their finger. Everyone questions him. <laughs> That's the tactic of the enemy. That's the flesh wanting not to be crucified. Just blame God for everything. But God is fair. God is just. God is good. God is right. <laughs> He's made a way out. Verse 27, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. (laughs) After all, is God the God of Jews only? Isn't he also the God of Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Remember, it's not about keeping a list of rules. I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta do this, I gotta do, do that. No, no, Jesus didn't come to do away with the law, He came to fulfill the law. So, our position now is in Christ. And so, in Christ, we have the wisdom and the strength and the knowledge to do what is right, to not live for ourselves, to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and to follow Him, to trust in Him fully. To honor Him with our decisions, with our lives. Because by faith, what? We believe. And what do we believe? That Christ is the Son of God. That He died for our sins. That He rose again. That He has defeated sin and death. He is victorious. We don't make a mockery of His life. His death and His resurrection. We don't trample on His blood making it common as if there is no power in it. No, He is victorious. And as you see Him, so you'll live. So why would we continue to settle for what's behind us when we have a glorious future ahead of us? This is the good news. What am I going to settle there for? I've been there. I've done that. I've got nothing from it. But Christ has fulfilled me. Christ has freed me. Christ loves me. And because of Christ, I am made right with my creator. God, come on, you all. Christ took our punishment. Like he willingly, remember... We, keep, we talked about this a few weeks ago, too. The Bible says that he didn't come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. He says, come on, that's why you got to know truth, because you got to talk truth to yourself and to others, but encourage yourself. Like You're, you're behind enemy lines. Jesus himself said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. They're going to hate you. They're going to kill you. For my name's sake, just because you bear my name, you're going to be hated. Come on. He says, I didn't come into the world to judge the world. No, I came to save it. And see, a lot of people just, just cling on to that portion of scripture. They, they forget what's after it. Because the world already stands condemned the world already stands condemned. Again, the works of the Holy Spirit to bring forth conviction of sin, to reveal the righteousness of God, and to reveal the coming judgment. Judgment is coming to the earth. Those who will not accept Christ, they will receive the fullness of the wrath of God and for eternity be in a place of torment. Not because God is bad, but <laughs> because God is just. Because, because God so loved the world that He sent His Son to save the world. He took our punishment. So when your flesh or the enemy, all the world wants to try to get you tripped up with religion, <laughs> stand firm. Push back against it and say, no, no, no. It's not about me. It's not about what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. It's about Christ. My life will bear fruit as I keep my eyes on him. I don't have to struggle to do good. Good will just come forth because I'm following him. He didn't come to do away with the law to tell me, live however you want now, Rob. Just keep living, running them up. No, 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 no. No, he came to fulfill the law. And in Christ, the law is fulfilled. And I don't have to strive so hard. No, that's where freedom comes from. Because of this relationship with Jesus. With my Father. Ah, that's good news. Go to Romans 5. 1-11 through so this faith should bring joy (laughs) therefore since we have been made right with God I'm sorry in God's sight by faith we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us because our faith because of our faith Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will lead, I'm sorry, and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us. Because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right with God, I'm sorry, in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship, look at this, with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we certainly, I'm sorry, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. We were once enemies, and now we're friends with God creator the very one who spoke and the world formed this is God you all you don't have to fear him if you're in Christ there's no fear there's no judgment because we're saved Christ you all God I pray we get it Because that's why we can wake up each day with joy. No matter we're behind enemy lines. No matter when sickness comes upon our body. No matter if the world shakes and everything crumbles. It doesn't matter if they're persecuting us. If they're talking bad about us. It doesn't matter. If everything is wiped away from us. It doesn't matter. Because of Christ. Does it mean that when those things happen that we won't hurt? That we won't mourn? That we won't feel a little bit anxious? Or unnerved? Thing is that we just don't stay there. We go through it. We process it. We just don't take up camp with it. Now this is going to define me look i have nothing i have no one look at my poor life look how frail and sick i've become and then look at oh look we're taking up camp we're taking up camp this earth is passing away don't take up camp with the temporalness of life yes you're going to feel everything Christ felt everything when he was on the earth he knows what hunger is he knows what pain is. And he endured. Because he knew his purpose. Do you know your purpose in Christ? Do you know your purpose? Do you have that confidence in Christ. Do you have the joy that is found in Christ to get up every day, to get through the seasons? Because there will be challenging seasons you will get through because this world is not your home we're looking upward we're looking upward because he's coming and I keep saying it's like we're living (laughs) in one of those weird end time movies (laughs) Christ is coming I mean, would you ever think you would have lived or be living during a plague that is utterly shaking the world? And every system in this world is shaking. Who would have thought it? Life was going pretty good for a while. Until 2020 hit. And now everything we've known and known is unearthed, is shaking. Where are people placing their confidence? (laughs) It ought to be in Christ. It ought to be rooted in Christ. It ought to be secured in Christ. He didn't miss anything, y'all. What he came to do, he finished. So we can praise him. So we can worship him. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm looking upward and onward. You got sometimes you just gotta get off of me. Because <laughs> the past is going to keep trying to pull you back. <laughs> sometimes you just gotta look. And don't look back. Put your hand to the plow. Jesus says, if you look back you're not fit for my kingdom. There were seasons in my Christian life where I, and the Holy Spirit would remind me. What's back there, Rob? You're not going to keep advancing forward and be fit for my kingdom if you're constantly looking backwards. Because where you look how you think, so you go. So if you're wondering why you're not getting closer to Christ, if you're wondering why your Christian life really just isn't like maturing or growing or really producing anything, I could tell you, for whatever reason, there's something back there that looks better to you. And oh, how you better get some truth and cover it. i <laughs> not tell me you've got to wake up. Gotta wake up. Go to Romans 7, verse 14 through 25. This is important to see this portion of Scripture. Struggling with sin. It's interesting. I don't know if you've ever read Romans. I would encourage you to read Romans. But this portion of Scripture is placed between chapter 6, which it's a chapter the Lord really used to deliver me because it tells you that the power of sin is broken. All right, and then it goes on that we're no longer bound by the law. We're no God's law reveals our sin, and then then chapter eight flows right in to the life and the spirit. But this portion, this small portion of scripture, trips people up because they don't read or understand the fullness. Of the text, and that's why we have to be careful—not just to take a portion of Scripture and then that be our theology. Nope, boom, that's what we believe, and it doesn't even tie in with the whole, the whole book, the whole word. Genesis to Revelation. So I got to be careful. That's why there's good people who stand up on. Sundays or any day and, 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 they, and they preach and they teach and what they're preaching and they're teaching does not line up with the word of God even yet though they're using the word of God Is <laughs> because they're picking and choosing and then they throw it out now be good people go enjoy the rest of your week live however you want Remember, the Bible says that even in the last days, these teachers are going to be raised up. And they're just going to teach what's pleasing to the ears of people. See, if someone says something over and over and over, sooner or later, repetition works. It's process to where you believe it. But if you really open the word, does it stand the test of God's plan and purpose from Genesis to Revelation to have a people that he will call his own and in return they will call him their God, that they will live for him, that they would be set apart, they would be a new creation, that Jesus Christ, is their savior. They're empowered with the spirit of God. Not living for themselves. Not living for their desires, their wants. Running amok, looking like the world. You don't see that anywhere. From Genesis to Revelation. And so we must be very careful. And we must always, I don't care if it's me, I don't care who it is. You always take what you hear and you go back to the word. And you make sure it lines up. I'm telling you all. Because we are told in the last days, false teaching is going to rise. And that's why I've told you for years, If you hear the gospel being presented that gives you the right to yourself, that's not the gospel. So this is an important part of scripture. Listen to this. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin, which is true. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that I that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing it. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Stop there. Don't read any more. And do you realize that's where the majority of Christians are sitting today? Right there. Between those two portions of Scripture. A few portions. I want to do right. I want to do right. But I just can't. I just can't. Oh, wretched man, wretched woman that I am. Oh, this sin. This nature within me. Listen, we all struggle. But please, don't stop just there. Because if that's all we have, then what do we have? Take a highlighter, take a pen, tap on your phone, highlight verse 25, because there's your answer. The struggle is real. I want to do right, but I don't. I see the wretchedness within me. And those questions are powerful to ask. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Oh, don't stop there. Look at verse 25. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. So who's going to free me? Jesus. And then he transitions right in to chapter 8. Life in the Spirit. So as I'm saying this, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit, look at this, has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. This is good news you all Again I remember when I first became a Christian And I went to these classes I went to this this place where people would go And because they were delivered they were free And I remember going and sitting with the counselor And she says well what counseling have you had And, And I said I haven't had any counseling Well, What church do you attend I don't attend church how is it that you're talking the principles of of freedom and truth? That's because Jesus revealed Himself to me. And she was like, "Oh, well, no, I really think that you should go to 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 basically the beginners class." And I said, "I'll go wherever you think I should go." She says, "Ah, but you know." Uh, the Freedom Class is meeting tonight, so just, just try it there. Oh, I was so excited. I was going to be around free people. Open up the door. Darkened room. It's the first thing I noticed. Everyone was sitting with their head down. Okay, you know I'm going in. And I could tell I began to irritate people because I'm trying to talk to people. And I'm sitting there and the guy next to me is like, he won't even look at me in my eyes. And finally he just said, listen, just, just be still. Just don't, don't talk. Basically just tell me to calm down, just relax. And I remember just sitting there, my head down. I'm just like, oh, this is really weird. And now, okay, now it's time to worship. And I remember standing up and no one else stood up. And so I was like, oh. So I sat back down. It was just this weird, weird vibe. And then the speaker comes out. Okay. I'm going to hear. I'm I'm, going to hear. And I'm listening to and I'm going,
2: oh. He
0: was telling me about his struggle with sin just before he came to speak he was in the park in the dark having sex with men The struggle he stayed stuck in those verses he didn't get to verse 25 <laughs> he, he didn't flow into chapter 8 he, he misread didn't read chapter 6 This is the life that's ahead for you all, he says. This is what you can expect. I said, what? I said, excuse me? I said, I left my life? I freely laid it down. I believe in Jesus Christ. And you're telling me. I might as well should have stayed. In my life. (laughs) I couldn't sit there anymore. I got up. Sit down. No I got up. I got to get out of here. And I remember opening that door. He's saying, God, wait a minute. (laughs) If you didn't accomplish everything you say you did, and that there's a new life in Christ that is to be lived out by your spirit, that I am to grow and that I am to mature, (laughs) then there's a problem here. (laughs) I understand, God, that there may be temptation in times of struggle, but that's not sin. That's what the Bible says. Temptation is not sin. It's when we give into temptation. Whatever that temptation is, that sin is birth. No, in this world, you're going to be bombarded left and right with everything. But praise be to God. <laughs> there is hope in Christ. There is joy and deliverance and freedom that comes from Christ. And that's why I can sit down with all types of sinners, <laughs> no matter what their flavor of sin is, and I can look at them and tell them the freedom that is found in Christ. They don't have to come from where I came from. But the root of it, in me, in you, and them, is a rebellious nature. Take your flair. Live however you want. But God sent His Son to free us. Amen. And if there's not freedom found, then we ought not to be preaching. We ought not to be gathering. <laughs> no, there is freedom. Listen. Listen. There is now therefore no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 4, he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death, the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. These people who God has pulled out, who calls them His own, and in return they call Him their God. Listen to this good news, you all. This is great news. Come on, look at this. Through whose power do you put that old man to death? The Spirit's power. (laughs) God, we need to know who He is and who we are in Him and what we have through Him. This is good news, you all. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now you call Him Abba, Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share His glory, we must also share His suffering. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory we, he, he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal his children who his children really are against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. but with each hope, the creation, I'm sorry, but with eager hope. The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies, God come on, to be released from sin and suffering, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and continue confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything, come on, to work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become, look at this, like His Son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gives them his glory. With all of this understanding, what then shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be ever against us? Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things overwhelming victory is ours through who? Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced So the justice of God will not be mocked. You are going to harvest what you plant. It's a lot. It's good news, you all. You've got to learn to preach yourself happy. You've got to know whom you belong to. You've got to take those shackles and chains that keep being presented to you and say, No, they don't fit me any longer. I'm not going to shackle myself back up just because I'm scared. (laughs) Just because I'm feeling overwhelmed with desires. (laughs) I'm not gonna shackle myself back up because someone reminds me of my past or throws it up to my face. I'm not gonna let fear of today and the worries of tomorrow Shackle me up. No, I am a child of God. And no, I'm not going to look at, well, things look bad, things look bad. So, no. Things are going to get worse, Rob. If my hope is in things, of this earth is going to get better, I've set myself up for failure. My hope is in Christ, the victorious one, who has slayed Sin and death. And yet though my physical body is dying. Because of sin. The essence of really who I am. Is living. And one day. It will be placed in a new body. That will never die. That will never experience pain. And suffering. And hurts. And wounding what a glorious day what a glorious day share the good news you all share the gospel come on we are his people I can't force you to be discipled I can't force you to to let your roots grow down into Christ no one can you have to choose. And that's not, and I'm telling you, not, uh, heaven rejoices, but the earth doesn't. There's always going to be something in your way, someone in your way, forces that you can't see working against you. But greater is he that is in me. I'll get up, and I'll take a step forward. Listen, getting up from that condo, condo floor wasn't easy. But it was the best decision I'd ever made in my life. To leave everything, to step out into what I did had no clue, but the one in whom called me, I knew that. He and that he will see me through. And even over these past years, where I have fought him at times, where I have looked back at times, where I've wanted just to give up and quit, he's been faithful, not me. He's faithful. He's faithful to remind us,
2: like, hey, Belong to me. I've got you.
0: It's all going to work out for the good. Trust me. Trust me. Are you trusting him? Go to Deuteronomy. Chapter 2. We opened up Deuteronomy. Those who didn't get the introduction during the notes, I would encourage you to to read the introduction to, to, to Deuteronomy so that you have a good understanding of this book that we've opened up now. Basically, it's the second law. It's going to be a lot of, uh, again, repeating things we've already known. But you have to remember that Moses is now talking to the new generation. The generation that is about to enter into the promised land. The three things of growth uh, that that will stand out of Deuteronomy for us. I went over last week. is God's standards. (laughs) Well, let me back up. No, the first one is choice. Just like God, we have a choice to follow or not to follow. Obedience and then standards. The choice to do what is right, to obey God, and follow the standards, his standards, not our own. Moses is talking to the new generation. He is reminding them of who they were. And he's telling them where they're heading They're not going to be forced to live for God. They're going to be reminded, though, this is your God. This is what he has done. This is who he is. Now you choose. As you enter into this land, you choose. To love him with your whole heart or to deny him with your whole heart. And isn't it the same with us in this new life? We've been brought out of our Egypt, the past, the flesh, the yoke of bondage and slavery, into this new life. It's your choice. Follow and obey. That's why Jesus can look to his disciples and those who were following him, and he would say, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And don't do what I say. So the same standard. We are going to see Deuteronomy flows right into the New Testament. And as I said last week, besides the book of Psalms, besides the book of Isaiah, Deuteronomy is the book that is referred to and referenced to in the New Testament. In fact, when Jesus and the disciples ever had to deal with a theological argument, they went back to the book of Deuteronomy. In fact, when Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, and Satan threw these accusations and these questions and and tempting him, Jesus uses the words from Deuteronomy to slay the enemy. So don't get bored with Deuteronomy. Eat it, eat it, taste it, live it, (laughs) hide it in your heart, because you're going to need it. Chapter 2. Then we turned around. Again, Moses is reminding them. He's reminding them of the wanderings (laughs) that Israel took to get them to where they're at. Then we turned around and headed back across the wilderness toward the Red Sea, just as the Lord had instructed me. And we wandered around in the region of Mount Seir for a long time. Then at last the Lord said to me, You have have been wandering around in this hill country long enough. Turn to the north. Give these orders to the people. You will pass through the country belonging to your relatives, the Edomites, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. The Edomites who feel threatened Will feel threatened, so be careful. Do not bother them, for I have given them all the hill country around Mount Seir as their property, and I will not give you even one square foot of their land. If you need food to eat or water to drink, pay them for it. For the Lord your God has blessed you in everything you have done, He has watched your every footstep through this great wilderness. During these 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. So again, I don't want to go off down a rabbit trail, but when you read that, verse 7, if you want to highlight it, circle it, do whatever, go back to it, do you see what God is saying? He has cared for them in the midst of their rebellion. He has provided for them in their wanderings. Remember, God is good, you all. Careful when you want to throw your hand up, adding. He's God. <laughs> so we bypassed the territory of our relatives, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. We avoided the road through the, the, the Abram Valley that comes up from Elath and Ezra and Gerber. Then as we turned north along the des- des- um, desert route through Moab, the Lord warned us, Do not bother the Moabites the descendants of Lot, who start or start a war with them. I have given them at at Ar as their property, and I will not give you any of their land. A race of giants called the Enmites had once lived in the area of Ar. They were as strong and numerous and as tall as the Anakites, another race of giants. Both the Enmites and the Anakites are also known as the Rephites through the Moabites called called to them Emites. In earlier times, the Horites, who lived in Seir, but they were driven out and displaced by the descendants of Esau, just as Israel drove out the people of Canaan when the Lord gave Israel their land. Moses continued, then the Lord said to us, Get moving! Cross the Zeod brook, we, so we cross the brook. 38 years passed from the time we first left Kadesh Barnea until we finally crossed the Zed Red Brook. By then, all the men old enough to fight in battle had died in the wilderness, as the Lord had vowed would happen. The Lord struck them down until they had all been eliminated from the community. When all the men of fighting age had died, the Lord said to me, Today you will cross the border of Moab at Ar." and entered the land of the Am- Amorites, Ammonites, Amorites, and uh, the descendants of Lot. But do not bother them or start a war with them. I have given the land of Ammon to, to them as their property, and I will not give you any of their land. That area was once considered the land of Raphaelites who lived there through the Ammonites called, I'm sorry, though the Ammonites called them Zamzumites. They were also as strong as, And numerous and tall as the Anakites. But the Lord destroyed them so the Ammonites could occupy the land. He had done the same for the descendants of Esau who lived in Seir. For he destroyed the Horites so they could settle there in their place. The descendants of Esau live there to this day. A similar thing happened when the Caffarites from Crete invaded and destroyed the Abites who lived there in the village in the area of Gaza. Moses continued. Then the Lord said, Now get moving! Cross the Arnon Gorge. Look, I will hand over to you Shihon, the Amorite king of Heshbon, and I will give you his land, attack him, and begin to occupy the land. Beginning today, I will make people throughout the earth terrified because of you. When they hear reports about you, they will tremble with dread and fear. Moses continued, from the wilderness of Kedemoth, I sent ambassadors to King Shihon of Heshbon with this proposal of peace. Let us travel through your land. We will stay on the main road and won't turn off the fields on either side. Sell us food to eat and water to drink and we will pay for it. All we want is permission to pass through your land. The descendants of Esau who live.
2: Oh Oh, my goodness.
0: There we go. Sorry. Who live in. Seir allowed us to go through their country, and so did the Moabites who live in Ar. Let us pass through until we cross the Jordan to the land the Lord our God is giving us. But King Shihon of Heshbon refused to allow us to pass through, because the Lord your God made Shihon stubborn and defiant, so he could help you defeat him as he has done now. Then the Lord said to me, Look, I have begun I have begun to hand King Shihon and his land over to you begin to conquer and occupy this land then King Shiham declared war on us and mobilized his forces at Jahaz. But the Lord our God handed him over to us, and we crushed him, his sons, and all of his people. We conquered all his towns and completely destroyed everyone, men, women, and children. Not a single person was spared. We took all the livestock as plunder for ourselves, along with every, anything of value from the towns we ransacked. The Lord our God also helped us conquer Eor, On the edge of the Arnon Gorge and the town in the gorge and the whole area as far as Gilead. No town had walls too strong for us. However, we avoided the land of the Amorites along with the Jacob River, Jacklick River, and the towns in the hill country. All the places the Lord our God had commanded us to leave alone. God is leading his people. God has given them clear understanding of what they need to do. God is giving them this land, but they have to move in the land in order to conquer it. Just as God has given us this freedom in this temporal world to live for Him, we can move forward and conquer. We can move forward and conquer. We can live out our lives as the church, as children of God in this temporal world. And we are victorious in it if we continue keep our eyes on the Lord. Chapter 3. Next we turned and headed for the land of Bashan, where King Og and his entire army attacked us in Ebory. But the Lord told me, don't be afraid of him, for I have given you victory over Og and his entire army, and I will give you all of his land. Treat him just as you treated King Shion of of the Amorites who ruled over Heshbon. So the Lord our God handed King Og and all his people over to us and we killed them all. Not a single person survived. We conquered all 60 of his towns, the entire Argog region and his kingdom of Bashan. Not a single town escaped our conquest. These towns were all fortified with high walls and barred gates. We also took many unwanted villages at the same time. We completely destroyed the kingdom of Bashan just as we had destroyed King Shihon of Heshbon. We We destroyed all the people in every town we conquered, men, women, and children alike. We kept all the livestock for ourselves and took plunder from all the towns. So we took the land of the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, all the way from Arnon Gorge to Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is called Siron by the Sidonians, and the Amorites call it Shnir. We had now conquered all the cities of the plateau and all Gilead and Bashan, as far as the towns of Saulkoth and Ederi, which were part of Og's kingdom in Bashan. King Og in Bashan was of Bashan was the last survivor of the great Raphanites. His bed was made of iron and now more than thirteen was more than thirteen feet long and six feet wide. It can still be seen in the Ammonite city of Rabbah. We then took possession of this land. I gave to the tribes of Reuben and Gad, the territory beyond Eor, along the Arnon Gorge, plus half of the hill country of the Gilead with with its towns. Then I gave the rest of Gilead and all of Bashan Og's former kingdom to the half-tribe of Manathus. Gerard, a leader from the tribe of Manasseh, conquered the whole Argon region in Bashan, all the way to the border of the Gershonites and that name... (laughs) Jr. renamed this region after himself, calling it the towns of Jr. as it is still known today. I gave Gilead to the clan of Amirkar, but I also gave part of Gilead to the tribes of Reuben and Gad. That area I gave them extended from the middle of the Arnon Gorge to the south, to the Jacob River, and to the Ammonite Fort Frontier. They also received the Jordan Valley all the way from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea with the Jordan River serving as the western boundary. To the east were the slopes of Pisgah. All that time I gave this command to the tribes that would live east of the Jordan. Although the Lord your God has given you this land as your property, all your fighting men must cross the Jordan ahead of your Israelite relatives armed and ready to assist them. Your wives, children, and numerous livestock, however, may stand behind in the towns I have given you. When the Lord has given security to the rest of the Israelites, as he has to you, and when they occupy the land the Lord your God is giving them, across the Jordan River, then you may all return here to the land I have given you. That's a lot. But he's reminding these people, Remember your God. Remember what He has done for you. As He calls you forward, move forward. Obey Him. Trust Him. Don't turn back. Don't be like the people who had to die off in the wilderness, that murmured, that complained, that always had fault-finding, always had a negative report. No! They had to die in the wilderness. You've got to be careful. When you see them tearing down kingdoms, towns, cities, emptying it of everything that was there, you need to do that in your own life. Tear down those strongholds that you built up. Your places of refuge. Your places of, of, of source, of, of trying to find value. But there's no value. There's no refuge there. No, you've got to tear it all down in order to move forward. You can't have one foot going forward and clinging on to the past. <laughs> can't. All of you must go forward. That's why that whole generation had to die off. And that's why Moses is reminding this new generation. You are about to enter into God's promise. His covenant promise. Way back here with Abraham. With Isaac. With Jacob. Like God fulfills His promise. It took all these years. They were enslaved for all these years. But now... Please, y'all don't miss it. They are on the verge of entering in. And so are we. We don't know the day or the hour or the time that that eastern sky is going to part. (laughs) But we're on the verge. Jesus says, know the signs of the times know the signs of the time no one knows the day or the hour but you can know the signs don't forget who your God is and what he has done for you let's close out chapter three at that time I gave Joshua this charge you have seen for yourself everything the Lord your God has done for these two for done to these two kings he will do the same. To all the kingdoms on the west side of Jordan. Do not be afraid of the nations there, for the Lord your God will fight for you. At that time, I pleaded with the Lord. Ah, this is beautiful, man. And said, O sovereign Lord, remember this is Moses, you have only begun to show your greatness and the strength of your hand to me. Your servant, Is there any God in heaven or on earth who can perform such great and mighty deeds as you do? Please, let me cross the Jordan to see the wonderful land on the other side, the beautiful hill country and the Lebanon mountains. Remember, Moses can't enter in. Remember, God already told him, Moses, in your rebellion, you striking that rock and taking my glory? Mm-mm. You're not going into this land, Moses. You're going to turn over your leadership to Joshua. And now we find Moses. Oh, man. God, please. Let me see it. Let me step into it. But the Lord was angry with, my, with me because of you. And he would not listen to me. That's enough, he de- like, declared. This is God. That's enough, he declared. Speak of it no more. No, Moses, you're not going up. You're not, I'm sorry, you're not going in. But go up to Pishka Peak and look over the land in every direction. Take a good look, but you may not cross the Jordan River. Instead, commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him. For he will lead the people across the Jordan. He will give them all the land you now see before you as their possession. So we stayed in the valley near Beth Mm Peor. No, Moses. I'm keeping my word. You will not enter. But you may look upon it. And I love the fact that Moses didn't grumble. He didn't complain. He still obeyed. He did as the Lord commanded. He prepped Joshua and he prepared Joshua. And he prepared the multitude of the Israelites that are about to enter in to God's promise you all. We don't always get what we ask. And we've got to be okay with that. Because God knows best. God knows best. Trust Him. God knows best. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 12 through
2: 38.
0: One day soon after Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. I'm sorry. To pray. I'm sorry. Let me back up. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names. Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Jesus knew he was about to select the twelve to go with him. And before he made this important decision, look at what he did. He prayed. Are you praying? How's your prayer life? I keep encouraging you all. You need a solid prayer life. You need to grow in spiritual disciplines. Praying, fasting, fellowship, Bible study. Spiritual disciplines in your life. Just showing up and going out does nothing, does nothing for your newness of life. Just as much effort that you put in back here is just as much as you have to put in here. Just as you salt and you rain after everything and everyone to, to fill you to make you feel valued is just as much effort as you got to put in to the newness of life, but not in, by your own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like ask them, tell them what you need. The Bible says, "You have not because you've asked not." Ask, seek, knock. Don't quit. God knows. But he prayed. And even in this selection, one of them would betray him. It's all God's plan. It's all God's plan. When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowd's there were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from, far as, and from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him, and he healed everyone. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor. For the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now. For you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now. For in due time you will laugh. What blessings await you when people hate you. And exclude you. And mock you. And curse you as evil. Because you follow the son of man. When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy. For great reward awaits you in heaven, and remember their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. What sorrow awaits you, who are rich, for you have only for, for you have your only happiness now, What sorrow awaits you, who are fat and prosperous now, for a time of awful hunger awaits you? What sorrow awaits you, who laugh now? For your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds? For their ancestors also praised false prophets. This is Jesus' words, you all. That's why we've got to be very careful. That's why I tell you the church can't look worldly. The church doesn't go and reduce herself to try to get the world in and then entertain them and pleasure them. No. The message of the gospel should offend people. It should have offended you first. If it didn't, didn't, you didn't hear the gospel. Listen, His kingdom is not of this earth. Everything it's contrary it's different we better recognize it listen to what he's saying to people he's telling his followers he's looking out like they're going to hate you because you bear my name because you're following me you're going to be hated and that's why I keep telling us Like, it doesn't make sense. Christians should be solid people. Compassionate people. The hardest workers. They show up even before they're scheduled and they leave later than when they were supposed to be off. They work and they serve as unto Christ. They don't murmur. They don't complain. They don't gossip. They don't backbite. They're solid people. They're compassionate people. They show hospitality. They think of others before they think of themselves. And they guard truth. You want to see a Christian get stern? Come against truth. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus showed compassion. But once those religious people stepped in, your father's the devil, he tells them. He tells the people, don't follow these men. No, he dealt truth. He didn't tolerate it. He didn't tolerate tolerate when when wickedness was trying to overtake truth. Oh no! We will stand for truth. (laughs) But like I said, our boldness doesn't mean that we have to be rude. We can be bold with our faith and we can stand in the assurance of knowing who our God is. We can put our sword down and said, not any further. (laughs) We can break fellowship with people who hold a form of religion and deny God's power because you're making a mockery of our God. Those are the people that the Bible says have nothing to do with. Jesus knew. He's preparing those who he has called out who is entering into this new covenant, who is receiving God Himself inside them, the Holy Spirit, God in you, the same power that raised, we read earlier, Jesus from the dead is in you if you're a believer. And we're called not to grieve the Holy Spirit. No, we're to live lives that are honoring Him. So He's preparing them. I'm calling you out and I'm sending you in. And as I called you out and I'm sending you in, there's a way in which you need to live. But to you who are willing to listen, verse 27, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. And if someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money to others who can can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them, lend to them without expecting anything in return or to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High God. For He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. And do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will come back. I'm sorry, and it will, and uh, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. <clears throat> Pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more. Running over, and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. This is the way we're called to live. And oh, be careful though, because I want to make sure we don't get tripped up when people say, "You don't judge me." The Bible says, "Don't judge me," because they read that one little scripture and they say, "Ah, you Christian, you can't judge me." The context of this scripture is dealing with the hypocrisy of the religious people. They themselves were doing things, but yet they were judging others. There was no truth in their judgment. That's why the Bible says, before you go to deal with the plank in your brother's eye, deal with the splinter in yours. Oh wait, no. Before you go deal with the splinter in your brother's eye, deal with the plank in your eye. And then go to your brother. The Bible is very clear as you continue to read. Oh, no, no, no. We are called not to judge the lost. Because they already what? Stand Stand judged. judged. We're to judge those who called themselves within the body of Christ. Because if there's bad fruit, we need to deal with it. Ah, so no scripture, you all. No scripture. Or when someone stands up to challenge you, you're going to crumble. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm sorry. And you're going to let them control you. No, no, no scripture. And so when we do judge those in the house of God, we don't do it in a malicious way. Whenever you come along a brother and sister in Christ to bring judgment, to talk of their sin, it's to see them grow and restored. Whenever we have to sit someone out of fellowship, it's in hopes that they will be saved. That's why Paul tells the church, turn that man over to Satan throw him out of your congregation in hopes that he will be saved. Because if they're feeling comfortable among you, if they're feeling and and there's never any offense by truth, then you're really not the church. You're just another religious institution peddling the word for nothing. Oh, so please, you all, know the word. Know Christ. Know who you are. Know how you are to live. Because your desire is that others would come to Christ. Your desire is that others would come and truly live. Your, it's your desire that they would know that this life in Christ is going to cost them everything. Because that's what Jesus teaches He didn't go out there just hugging and giving muffins and just doing and doing and doing so people can live however they want. No, He knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. Again, the Holy Spirit, why Jesus says, I have to go. Okay, so the Holy Spirit will come. He will, he, his purpose is to bring conviction to the lost so that they would repent, that they would come to have an understanding of the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ, and that they will know that judgment is coming to the earth. So Jesus knows what's coming. So he didn't come to, to bring this new way of living, just to remain shackled and slave to the past. No, he knows that the templeness of this life is coming to an end. He knows that those who will not receive him will be in other torment for eternity in hell. They will, fulfill, they will experience the wrath of God. <laughs> and all of creation, as we read earlier, is crying out for the return of Christ. All of creation. Oh, that we would know our God. Psalm 67. Seven verses. And then I'm done. Look up. Look up. May God be merciful and bless us. May his face smile with favor on us. May your ways be known throughout the earth. Your saving power among people everywhere. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Let the whole world sing for joy because you govern the nations with justice and you guide the people of the whole world. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Then the earth will yield its harvest and God, our God, will richly bless us. Yes, God will bless us and people all over the world will fear Him. This is our God. This is our God, you all. And I keep encouraging you as I encourage myself. In fact, I told myself this the other day. I said, Rob, you were made for this generation. You were made to live during this plague. You were made to live during chaos. Oh, Rob, keep your eyes on Jesus. Go forth and pray and share the gospel. Encourage the Christian. Love on the lost. Be the hands and feet of Christ. Be His mouthpiece. Be attentive because the enemy is seeking whom he may devour. Sometimes you've got to stand in the gap and pray and intercede. Sometimes you've got to carry the burdens of others. You were made for today. And if he gives you tomorrow, you were made for tomorrow. Are you living with that mindset? If you're not, then I encourage you, please connect with me so that you will grow in your Christian faith. Because if you're not growing, you're going to be overtaken. And you say, "Ah, but I don't want to seem that fanatic. I don't want to seem that fanatic. No, no, I'm okay. I'm okay with just, God loves me. Then I would tell you, you're not a Christian. And you say, ah, oh, I don't believe that. I don't. Fine. I don't believe it. If you made your Christian life just for you, me, myself, and I, God bless me, God bless me, God protect me, God protect me, God make my life all better. <laughs> what God are you serving? I'm being serious, you all. People are dying all around us. Businesses are closing. People are going hungry. Lives that invested for years, building businesses and taking care of their family, are now being stripped of everything. People are starving overseas. Not only are they dealing with the plague, they're dealing with locusts. Wars and rumors of wars. Earthquakes. Storms. Our economy. Food prices are rising up in the middle of a plague. Things are getting could get worse. And if you're caught up in all that, I implore you, if you are a Christian, change your mindset. No, 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 God. Your word says that you knew me even before you formed me. Your word says that you prepared good works for me to do. Not for myself, but for your glory. You created me for such a time as this. God used me. How can I be used? How can I serve I don't want to seem so wound up like everyone else. God, I want to be available because I'm so caught up in my cares, my needs, my wants. I'm going to miss the stranger over here that needed a kind word or a simple touch. I'm I'm just encouraging you all. He's God. Pray for the nations. Pray that God will lift the plague off of us. Pray that the economies will be restored. Pray for a great harvest to come into the church. And just like I said, before we go to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 17, like I've said before, even though it's getting darker, even though things are getting more chaotic, truth is right alongside it. The light is shining even brighter. So yet though there is such destruction, there's a great revival taking place. Because darkness cannot put out light. It never can. It never will. So the light is going forth. And it is shining. And in the midst of all of this chaos and destruction, people are calling upon God. People are starting to having spiritual conversations. I even told you, the people I've been talking to, they're lost, they're not Christians, but they come to me and they say, we know something is on the horizon. What is it? Let me show you what's coming. See, we can't awaken people. Only the Holy Spirit can. So again, remember the Holy Spirit's role. Jesus had to go away so that he will come. He brings the conviction. He's the one that draws people to himself. We can't, We don't start this work in us. He started it. God is pleased to reveal himself to us. So when you see people talking about spiritual conversations, don't back away and be hesitant. No, oh, no, no. Step in. Not, not rude, but bold. Get to know what they believe. As you and I were talking you don't, have to, you don't fight with them. Listen to what they believe so you know how to pray for them. So you know how they're being deceived so you can speak truth. If you need more, just don't, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Let me know. Because we're called to plant and to water. It's the Holy Spirit's job to harvest it. See, we're part of His kingdom. We're not waiting to get to heaven to live. No, we're living now. We are preparing for His return. And if I'm preparing to go somewhere that will benefit you, Maritza, get ready. Because we're going. I know a way to get us there. Like, I'm going to share with you. I'm going to be eager to share with you. So you should be eager to share with people. Because things are shifting. Things are shaking. But the church... The true church, she's rooted. (laughs) Let the earth shake all you want. (laughs) Because it just gives me the hope that my king is even closer. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 17. We're finishing our walk, Shay. You tired? No. Okay. (laughs) Verse 17. Ah, Where are you? There you are. No, not 17, 27. Chapter 11, verse 27 is where we're at. If you search for good, uh, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. There's your nugget of wisdom for today. If you search for good, you'll find it. You'll find favor. But search for evil... And that's what you'll get. I'm gonna end with this last song. It's a song I prayed, huh? It's a song I play during our prayer time. And it's a beautiful song to end today with. Because if you're dealing with a religious spirit, and you said, What do you mean by that? If all your Christian life is, is I come to church, I try to do good then you're being deceived and manipulated by a religious spirit and by the flesh lying to you and by the world trying to influence you. And what the song declares over us is, no, no, take us past all of that, God. Take us past the religious experiences Take us past for us trying to do it. Take us past from all the hype and the glamour of of being the end Christian. God, just remind us it's all about you. And after the song,
1: I'll close us in prayer.